How are you? Are you good? Well, I'm glad that Jesus has brought us back together. I'm grateful that I'm here, and uh, it's always happy when the Lord brings us together to pray and to rejoice in our lay apostle commitment. Um, in the past few years, we, at the core of this apostolate, have been blessed to meet many Catholics from many parts of the world. Uh, to see the living church in action has been truly inspiring because we have this tendency to think that we're the only ones working. Isn't it true? We see how hard we're working and we forget that we're part of a big family who are all working very hard for Christ. Um, what is the same about everybody that we meet is their love for Jesus and their commitment to the gospel message. What is very different is the way each person and organization lives out this commitment. Now, Cardinal Avery Dulles was an American Catholic theologian. He was a very clear thinker and writer. One of the things he described were five different models of the church. The church as an institution, meaning the hierarchy, the church as a mystical communion, meaning communion of people. And the church as a sacrament, meaning a transmitter of God's graces. The church as herald, meaning proclaimer of God's good news. And finally, the church as servant, meaning sharing the concerns of mankind and assisting those in need. So five different models. Each model offers beautiful, necessary contributions and comes with both benefits and risks. Any one model, as far as I can see though, serving to the exclusion of others would be incomplete. Do you see? All models bring something. Now, I'll tell you a story. There was a plague in Europe a long time ago. Uh, that's about all the facts I have. But the pertinent part is this. Before the plague, Christians were not very popular. Things were going along okay. People didn't really have a need for this Christian faith. Uh, during the plague, the cities were in terrible distress. And people were forced to flee the cities because of fear. And everybody left. But the Christians, the Christians stayed. And they took care of the people to the best of their ability. After the plague was over, the people came back and they converted to Christianity because they saw God's love in the way the Christians remained and served during this plague. Okay, that was a good outcome. That was excellent. Now, I have no doubt that during this crisis, the Christians served in all different ways. And I see today that people tend to become really excited about specific areas of service, different models of the church. I'll give you an example. I was listening to three young Catholics one day, and they were talking about a current event in the church and something that was happening in their part of the church. And one of the um, persons said, well, if I was there, I'd be out there protesting. I'd be holding a sign. I, that's what I'd be doing. I think that's the right thing to do. If we don't stand up for our faith, nobody will. Another one said, not me. It's a circus. 
I'm not going to join the circus. My job, I think, would be to stay home, see to my duties, and pray for all these people involved. A third one said, you're both wrong. We should be there dialoguing with these people, trying to create bridges, not walls. You guys aren't getting this right. Now, of the three, who got it right? I think they all were getting it right. Each one was inspired by the Holy Spirit to respond to the situation. Who got it um, wrong? They all got it wrong because each one was convinced that their way was the right way and that the others were wrong. Nobody was really to, kind of ready to admit that maybe there was a place for all three types of service. Okay, if you take a humanitarian uh, service crisis today, and there's always going to be a humanitarian crisis as long as we have humans. So let's take one, and we have a room full of Catholics sitting at a table. You're going to have differences of opinion on how they should respond. Some might think practically, some might think mystically, and some might think metaphysically. What will each bring? Well, the practical ones might bring food. The mystical ones might bring the sacraments. The metaphysical ones might study the causality of the crisis. On a good day, all of these people will work together as a team, and there will be peace in their service. On a bad day, the practical ones will accuse the mystical ones of being out of touch. The mystical ones will accuse the practical ones of being too earthbound and they'll both turn on the metaphysical thinkers for thinking too much and complicating matters. You know? But really, I'm sure that God delights in all of us. And I think, I know, he needs all of us. I, he has commissioned us all to do his work where he has placed us. I think he's so pleased when we su support each other. And I think he's very disappointed when we tear each other down. We should each thank God, of course, for the opportunity to serve him where, and where we are. And we should thank God for all of our brothers and sisters serving in different ways throughout the body of Christ. My friends, if we have disunity, we lose our effectiveness. If we have disunity, we lose our peace. And if we have disunity, Jesus loses the opportunities that he hopes for through our vocations. Sometimes when I listen to people tearing other people down, it's too much, I can't handle it, I have to leave the conversations because I, it's so hurtful to watch. We, as lay apostles, as a spiritual movement in the church, are called to participate in a great renewal. There Everyone is welcome in this movement. Everyone is needed. I look at the uniqueness of the individuals who work alongside us, and I'm so happy. It makes me rejoice. We're not going to look like any one thing. Do you know what I'm saying? We're going to look like each one of us because we're all needed. We're obedient to the magisterium of the church because we understand the church as protective. We are obedient because we love. Our obedience is rooted in love. 
we do not hold up obedience like a false god and use it to whip other people. We don't hold up our obedience as proof that we are any better than anybody else. Our obedience is deeply personal and should be viewed, at least in part, as a blessing from God, a gift. We have to accept, my friends, that if we were in different circumstances, we might find it very difficult to be obedient. We can't judge. This should make us humble. This fact should create in us a reverence for Catholics who are living away from the church. We should be reverent about our brothers and sisters who are out of the church at this time. We may be getting it right in some areas, and I know that we are, I know that you are, but we also may be getting it wrong in other areas, and maybe when we can't seem to get it right in one area, we're doing better in other areas. The people away from the faith aren't any different. Many are doing quite well in many areas of their life. Now, whatever our current condition, we are of infinite value to Jesus. This isn't really like a feel-good, relax. I say that statement, but it's not like a feel-good, relaxed spirituality. This is hard, hard work if we are applying ourselves. The spirituality in this apostolate requires a response of real sacrifice. Change. Jesus really wants us to be transformed. Now, this is an important statement. We are each of us in the church to be transformed. We're not in the church because we are transformed. Do you understand? See, I mean, we have work to do, all of us. We're not, we are in the church to become transformed. God's love is invitational, and we have to use God's love to invite to draw other peoples in. There are many people currently fallen away. Maybe they're divorced. Maybe they're living in an irregular union. Maybe they experience same-sex attraction, homosexuality, and maybe this is a struggle for them. Uh, Maybe they're in the grips of an addiction. Maybe they're angry because somebody's hurt them. Whatever. I have talked to many of these people. They're drawn to this apostolate, and they say that they don't feel welcome in some of our churches. Now, this hurts us. We, we want people welcome, don't we? Isn't that what we want? We want to be loving and welcoming because Jesus is so loving and welcoming to each one of us. But we have to face this truth. This is the truth. Many don't feel welcome. Uh, why? That's the question that we each have to answer. Um, I think many people want to come back to our faith, but I think they feel like there's a stop sign outside the door. So we want to make sure that we're not holding any of those stop signs uh, because people can come back to the church and work out their transformation from inside our Catholic family. As always, we defer to the teaching of our church, which states that we do not receive the Eucharist unless we're in the state of grace. See, we teach directly from the catechism. There's no conflict with the church. This is something, if someone doesn't want to come back because they're concerned about this, this is a valid and real concern. And we can say, yes, you can come back and not receive the Eucharist. You can come to Mass every Sunday and not receive the Eucharist. But come before the tabernacle. Come and be part of the sacraments.
We need to encourage them all. We need to encourage them to get in front of the tabernacle and talk to Jesus. Now, if I'm thinking about us, and we're all, everyone in this church and listening here on the internet, um, we're all struggling to become transformed. And we have benefit of the sacraments and our priests and uh, the Eucharist and confession. We have all these graces to help us. Imagine how difficult and lonely it would be if we did not have this. Doesn't it? It's a hurtful thought. It's a sad thought. I think now Jesus wants to bring in his people. I think he wants to use us to do it. You might say, you might say, these people are defiant. They don't like us. They get mad if we ask them to come back to the faith. I know that's true. And it's not an easy job to evangelize. But in this lay apostolate, the Lord has given us a beautiful tool, and that is the little booklets, the Heaven Speak booklets, and we can use them. You know, you might be looking through those booklets, and you might say, well, gee, I'm not depressed, so I'll save this one for Susie, who's depressed. And I don't really feel, uh, I didn't have an abortion, so I don't need that booklet. But I think we need to familiarize ourselves with those booklets. Let's see what heaven would say to someone who suffers in that way. And then we'll have really good help for God's children around us. Do you know, you know what I mean? I think it would be a good way for us to reach people. The Lord will use that. Jesus encourages us so much. And in this monthly message, he says this, I want you to increase both your dependence on heaven and your awareness of your dependence on heaven. Each day, every day, ask heaven for help throughout the day. My apostles, if we do this, we will truly become the humble servants that God needs. We won't be delivering our version of heaven, we'll be delivering Christ's version.